0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Chronic Illness Podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Raid. I'm a naturopathic doctor, and today I am joined by Amanda Panacea. Uh, Amanda is a uh, specializes in working with folks who are suffering from complex chronic illnesses, uh, just like myself and. The majority of my other guests. And uh, she posts a lot on Instagram about mold illness, heavy metals, um, chronic infections, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm uh, looking forward to talking to her and getting her perspective on those uh, various topics. So I'm just going to bring her into the podcast uh, recording here in just two shakes. So please hold on for one second and uh, we'll I'll be right back with Amanda. All right, everyone, I'm back now with Amanda Panacea. Amanda, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. And uh, before we jump into some of the questions, Amanda, would you mind just telling the listeners a bit about yourself and how you got involved treating uh, complex chronic illness? And uh, yeah, just a bit of your background, please.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's a long story. So I'll keep it short. But I originally was became a licensed mental health counselor. I grew up with um, a great huge family, but there was a lot of alcoholism and heavy drinking. And I kind of always wanted to get into substance abuse. Then um, throughout that, working in like uh, psychiatric hospitals, detox facilities, I was just so appalled at how we were treating mental health. And it was like, this was not what I came here for. And so then I started to really get into like working on my own health. I was an athlete in college and high school. So I was kind of always into it. And I went back to school and got a master's in functional medicine and human nutrition. But the irony is, at the end of that degree was actually when I was at my absolute worst health. I had kind of been burning the candle on both ends my entire life. Um, I also struggled with alcohol abuse and like was very deep in party scenes and party drugs. And so after that I was, I got hepatitis A, I was hospitalized. And then during my recovery, I was exposed to mold for a good year and a half in a building that uh, was like right on the water in Miami. And so then I developed mast cell activation. I had rashes all over my entire body. Um, I was also still working with people. So my self-esteem was just tanked. Like how could I have just gotten this degree and be sicker than anyone that I know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when I also kind of came back around and started to discover nervous system regulation, somatics, psychosensory techniques, deep inner work, spirituality, and kind of got back on the, it, it's everything, it's emotional, it's it's your generational patterns, it, It's it's physical, it's energetic. And I kind of combine all of those things in my practice now. Um, we do a lot of, um, not just like testing and supplements, but we also do a lot of lifestyle changes, a lot of inner work. Um, I teach a lot of like regulation tools and we do a lot of emotional somatic work too. So that's in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) Thanks for the nutshell. And, um, yeah, taking that comprehensive approach is oftentimes so important for a lot of folks. Um, Do you have folks that you've worked with over time where, you know, they've come, they come in and they say, you know, I've done like all these things like, you know, lab tests, like supplements, things like that. And you look at the list and you've done a lot of really good stuff, but like, they're like, yeah, but I'm still not really feeling much different. And it's not until they start doing the mental emotional work or kind of that higher level work that it actually, like, that's what's necessary to kind of get the ball rolling with them feeling better. Is that a common scenario? Have you ever seen that before? Could you speak to that a bit?
1: Oh yeah, that's pretty much every single person that I worked with, honestly. Is that is that all <laughs> just
0: just everybody? Okay.
1: Every single person. I mean, I know that there are people out there who have improved just with, you know, the diet change and supplements. You know, people in my family have been them, people close to me, like they just needed a little nudge and a little and a little uh shift, and they were okay. But when you're dealing with complex chronic illnesses, there's absolutely always the emotional nervous system component to it, because just developing an illness like that in itself is extremely traumatic. And you, you didn't get there for no reason. (laughs)
0: Um, When folks come in to see you um, nowadays, do they kind of come in expecting that they're going to be doing that uh, non-physical level work with you? Or do you, you know, do you have to have that conversation of like, yeah, you can't just get away with the physiological treatments here. We need to look at some non, you know, some mind, body stuff, mental, emotional stuff or whatnot.
1: Yeah, I usually meet people where they're at. Some people, most people that work with me know that I also do a lot of the emotional work, so they are coming for that as well but there are still people who maybe they have like another therapist they're working with, or maybe they are doing some of the brain retraining programs and they're like, let's just do testing for now. And if I feel like I need support in that area, we can talk. So it just depends on the person. I, I kind of put together packages and um like long-term packages, depending on what the person is looking for and, and what they're ready for and what they can afford. Great.
0: Um, so say if a person is listening to this right now and they're like, Hey, that kind of sounds like me. Like I, you know, I've been doing all these things. I've seen all these different doctors. I've had every test I've spent oodles and oodles of money um, on all of this. And like, I'm not nearly as well as I feel like I should be at this point. Um, Uh, what would you say to that person um, to, you know, sort of bridge the bridge that gap between like, okay, yeah, you've done all this physical level stuff, but like, let's do some mental emotional work. Like, how would you frame that to a person who hadn't already heard the little preamble that you just gave to everything? Like, how would you uh, present that to say like a a new patient or client that was uh, coming into your, your practice to say, Hey, like we need to look outside of the physical realm.
1: Yeah, usually I'll tell them a little bit about my background and my story, um, because I was definitely like, it's going to be all science. We are, I'm not doing, I'm a therapist myself, so I don't need any of that emotional work. Like I did that a long time ago and I was Mm -hmm. very resistant to it. (laughs) So I totally get it. And usually I will explain just how important the nervous system is for your health and recovery. I also use a framework and a discovery called German New Medicine, which is a little underground. I don't know if many people have probably heard about it, but it's basically a framework for how your perceptions change your your organ, your tissues, your cells. And it's all an adaptogenic process that is allowing you to survive whatever the stressor is. And so usually I'll I'll ask them about a symptom and we'll kind of look at the the website for, okay, well, when I have this symptom, usually it's related to an emotional shock that has to do with, you know, it could be anything from not feeling good enough to like a, a, a argument with a significant other. It can get actually pretty specific. And we'll just see if it resonates. And usually in a call, like if if we're going down that rabbit hole. They will usually be like, actually, yes, it is exactly like that is a situation in my life and they're kind of blown away. And then oftentimes they'll become a believer. Um, I also have a lot of free resources and um, things that I refer people to to kind of dip their toe into this kind of work before just so they get an idea of what we would actually be doing. Because when I say things like nervous system regulation, somatic work, psychosensory techniques, um... For a lot of people, it's like, well, what does that even mean? Like, are you doing energy work? What does that look like? And so I'll kind of explain a little bit more in detail what it actually looks like. My, my goal for everyone that I work with is to teach them how to do this stuff themselves so that they don't need me after a couple months. They get the hang of it. They can sit with themselves, understand what it means to actually feel an emotion or they can even start to unravel the layers of like events and things that were traumatic in their life without me having to guide them. So that's kind of how I set people up for success.
0: Yeah, that's really empowering. So that's that's awesome. And I don't know if I've really heard many folks talk about, you know, setting up the setting patients up with or clients up with like the, the tools that they need to kind of do that deeper mental emotional work. You know, I mean, I guess when you get into things like amygdala retraining like the gupta program or dnrs then of course that's very self-driven although there can be some coaching and whatnot along the way too but um could you maybe delve into that a little bit more like in terms of um i don't maybe giving uh, a bit more of an example of how someone might um, apply that. Like, is it that, Oh, I'm, I've been feeling really like i i worked with <clears throat> Amanda for a while and like, now I've got these tools in my tool bag and like things are going along pretty well. And then like, I've just been feeling really sad lately. So, um, they would then sit down and do some introspective study or introspective work, uh, self-reflective work, do some techniques. Like, could you give us a more of a tangible sense of what that would look like if, if I'm on the right yeah. track somewhat?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So I kind of combine a lot of different modalities. I took every course out there, the brain retraining stuff, the somatic certifications, Germany medicine certifications. and so I, I kind of I kind of have my own style now where we combine all of the things. And one of the main things that I always teach is how our body actually digests emotion. So you've probably heard every therapist and every clinician out there say trauma gets stored in the body. It's not in the event. It gets stored in the body. And so for me, what was really difficult was I was like, well, what does that even mean? Like, do I have to do these intense breathwork sessions? Like, how do you release it? And so I teach the what are called the five channels of awareness, um, which is the mind. So our mind is <clears throat> one of the ways that we learn to understand what's going on. Our imagination, which is where we use like sight, sound, touch, taste, and we can access memories. Um, we can m- make up new scenarios. This is also like how people manifest using this channel. Um, we use the uh, body movement, body posture, body behavior to understand like w- what is going on if if we tend to be really shut down or just we gain insight from how our body is moving and acting and posturing. Uh, emotions, you know, how do you feel, anger, sadness, whatnot. And then the inner sensations, which is where a lot of people get really, really stuck with chronic illness is constantly being in this channel, scanning for these inner sensations, which, you know, are basically symptoms and they're never getting fully digested. They're never getting fully processed. We are just kind of focusing in on the problem. And by understanding how to use these channels of awareness, we can allow that energy From the emotion, the event, or the sensation to be able to move through us and out of us so it doesn't get trapped or stored, or we don't resist it to the point where it gets bigger and bigger and louder and louder. And then I also really love a few of the psychosensory techniques. Um, Havening is one of my favorites. It's super easy, um, but I use it in a way that's kind of combining with these other processes when you do havening, it's, I'll just show you really quick, but it's like a, a su- soft sweeping s- movement on the face, the arms, and the hands. And there's a lot of research that shows that this technique helps to put your brain into those slower brain waves, like theta and even delta, which is usually not active unless you're like in deep, deep meditation or asleep. And once you're in these slower brain waves, not only is that calming everything down, it's calming that fight or flight response, but it also is where your brain becomes a little bit more malleable so that when you do brain retraining techniques, you can rewire and manifest or change a little bit easier. And I use a couple other things like certain questions you can ask yourself to find out like what your limiting beliefs are or what is the story you're telling yourself about the situation or the symptom um, and, and just kind of helping to uncover what are your unique blocks to healing. Um, so there's definitely like activation in all those different channels when you work with me and, and understanding like, okay, well, if I'm feeling sad right now, what do I do? <laughs> How do I feel my emotions? That was such a huge struggle for me. I've been so shut down my whole life thinking that I was just like doing well <laughs> um, until of course you, you reach a chronic condition and you're like, I don't I don't think I was managing emotions very well. I think I was shutting them off, resisting them and and not processing them. And so by having kind of a framework for what you do every day, multiple times a day or in a situation where you don't feel so great, it makes it a lot easier to just know that you're kind of on the right track and feeling these these big emotions, these big sensations is actually good. Like I can feel this, I can sit with it. I can not get totally fly off the handle or resist it or feel incredibly uncomfortable. And then as you start to gain that capacity to tolerate things and to feel things again, um, it becomes a lot easier to go through the hard part hard parts of healing and like things like detox reactions and stuff like that.
0: Um, as you're talking at the end there, um, it just kind of left me the impression that um, folks, when they're doing this work, they build up more resilience on probably a number of levels. Um, is, is resilience a um, sort of key adjective to, to, uh, to describe how folks wind up um, uh, benefiting from like doing all this work or am I am I off the mark there?
1: Oh no, you're definitely correct. Yeah, nobody wants to be so sensitive that they can't go into a building that had once had water damage, you know? And that's sadly where a lot of people find themselves and there's camps in like chronic illness communities that are like you have to get rid of everything, you have to move out of your house and you have to always avoid it and, you know, do all these horrible precautions where it just keeps you in that cycle of being victimized and and not and feeling so sensitive that you can't tolerate anything. So the goal is always resiliency. Like we want to be able to eat a cookie and not like feel sick for two days. You know?
0: Yes. Cookies are amazing, which is really (laughs) the main take home message of this podcast episode. I think uh, we're we're sponsored by Keebler. Um, not really. Um, yeah. That's, it's such a really important que- or a message I think. And for folks listening, like, you know, just really, um, tune into that there. definitely remember that uh, from this episode amongst other things, because I've had patients where, you know, we get their urine mycotoxin results back and it's like, yeah, you're like full of um mycophenolic acid you're full of okra toxin although there's a breakdown crying it's like oh like you know it's not that bad like you know it's not like this isn't deadly or anything like no i just i don't want to have to get rid of all my possessions i don't want to move like you know i can't afford it. it's like no 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 like you're no it's not like that like unless you're you know i've had some i had a couple of patients where literally their one of the walls of their house fell away because it was so moldy it's like okay they're probably going to have to move um but for the majority yeah. of people you're we can yeah build up that resilience and it's not going to be the end of the world so yeah really important message um so you're if i'm uh, understanding what you're saying correctly um so there are Uh, Folks you've worked with, um, maybe a majority of folks you worked with where when they do the work to kind of build up that um, more like mental, emotional resiliency, then you see that translating into um, better uh, physiological resiliency to tolerate, you know, chemicals and foods and this, that and the other thing.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, cortisol is a big component of your immune system. So when we are so burnt out and can't tolerate anything, that's a good sign. Like your body is incredibly stressed and you may have been, you may step it, be stepping into like cortisol resistance or poor cellular effect of cortisol. Um, it might not be because it's all in your gut or, you know, even with mast cell when you've reached the point of not tolerating anything, like your body is in, sh- we're shut down. We have been under threat. We've been in a war. <laughs> and so you have to build that resiliency to get some functioning back.
0: Um. So for folks that you've worked with over time, um, have there been subsets of patients or clients where they didn't really need any, um, supplements or detox work or things like that. Like it was really just the mental, emotional work. And they're like, yeah, like I I could only eat five foods. I couldn't, you know, go leave my house kind of thing. My perfectly controlled, like, like low EMF, low chemical, no mold environment. Um, and like, um, there wasn't really any, requirement to go on like supplements or detox regimens or whatnot it was really just the mental emotional work um that was you know did 99 of the work for them have you seen those scenarios and if so how how often
1: yeah i worked with quite a few people who are like i'm so done with testing i don't want to know It stresses me out i i'll obsess about it i just want to do this type of work and we will definitely that some people have blown my mind some of the people that i've worked with um, I worked with one amazing girl who she was like very, very housebound from anxiety. So she already kind of was aware, like, I know this is all in my, all in my head. Like I've, I'm only eating a few few foods. I'm working from home. I haven't left my house in a really long time. And by the end of working together, she was driving. She had gotten a job. She divorced her husband. Like she had made some major, major changes wow. and She, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that that's typical, but there have been some people who they were just ready for it. Well, like, that's the biggest thing. When you make a decision that things are going to change, things will change. Um, Tony Robbins, I think said this, he was like, people will say it took me 10 years to change, but it only took the last decision. It, it just took you 10 years to make that decision.
0: Mm Oh, oh, sorry. Were you going to say something else?
1: No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um.
0: So just a, a and um. Uh, thanks for sharing that experience. Um. You know, I I ask in part because you know you'll uh, folks can listen to um clinicians or different people talking about, say, you know, amygdala retraining or somatic experiencing or different things and be like, yeah, like I, I did my Gupta program and like, I, I'm totally cured from that. You know, I did it for six months and I like, I don't have my ME CFS anymore. I don't have my multiple chemical sensitivities anymore. And, and, um, you know, kind of hearing that it's like, oh, you know, that's, that's great. Um, but like, how often does that happen? Is that the expectation one should be going into with this? And I I love the fact that you're combining multiple different modalities, working with folks. You're not just like, no, I'm just a DNRS devotee and that's all I do. It's like, no, we're going to bring the best of everything. I strive to do that in my practice as well. Um, but, uh, I guess what I'm, it's good to hear from your experience that like there are folks that you've seen as well, that, you know, just, it's really been that, you know, mind, body, mental, emotional work. That's really been the, the key thing. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, I do have kind of a follow-up question on that, but is there anything that you'd like to say, um, on that topic before we move on?
1: Yeah, actually, I was just thinking, you know, you can't mind-body practice your way out of severe nutrient deficiencies Mm -hmm. you you can't mind-body your practice your way out of um, like if your house is riddled with molds you know there's only so far that that will get you but once you have those pretty strong foundations and you you know you're eating enough you're eating foods that are actually rich in nutrients you're getting outside you're getting sunshine you're touching the earth with your feet like once you have those those like important foundations, then yes, the mind body work can definitely change your life.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. Thanks for clarifying that. Um uh, very very well said. Um so at this point um where we've really gone down the mind body rabbit hole, uh, I, I think we should we should switch topics here, but I'm not quite done yet. I got a couple more questions for you, yeah, if you don't sure. mind. Uh it's a really important topic. And as folks who listen to the podcast can attest to, um, you know, a lot of my guests um have really talked about the importance of bringing this in. I mean, not all of my guests actually are in the trenches doing that mind body work with the patients or clients themselves as you are as more like, Oh, no, I'm going to do all the physical work, but I have my people that are referred to, to, you know, to do this work. So we're not all, uh, not all gifted in that um, area. Um, and so, um, it's, it's really important topic, but, um, at this point, where we spent a lot of time talking about this, um, I I know from experience sometimes when I'm talking to my patients about you know like yeah let's look at amygdala retraining somatic experiencing et cetera et cetera, um, sometimes they you know understandably but like erroneously but understandably kind of get the impression that I'm saying like th- this is all in your head. Um, and could you just uh, speak to you know someone listening right now where they might be hearing you say like okay so like yeah I hear you if I'm really nutrient deficient or if I'm living in a mold reeled house like those are factors but like um, can you um, if Um, folks will be listening to this thinking like, yeah, but like, you know, I, I'm doing the best I can. And like, you know, I, I, I don't know, like this kind of sounds like you're saying it's all in my head. So would you be able to, I know you're not saying that I'm not saying that, but could you speak to someone who's maybe getting that impression and, and maybe uh, correct that misperception, please?
1: Yeah, sure. So stress on the body creates physical changes, bioenergetic changes, whether that's emotional stress, physical stress. So if you were exposed to like mold or a toxin or you've got heavy metal toxicity that will create changes in the body. That's the same as if you like went through an emotional trauma. So no matter what the stress is, the body kind of does the same thing and whatever that is, the recovery can look similar. So we kind of have to teach our, our mind and our body to maybe stop looking for things that are negative negative and kind of retrain it to looking for things that are positive and also be able to teach what that kind of feels like. Like just like um any sort of habit that you have, if you've been in a chronic condition for long periods of time, that's what you're used to. And so your body and your brain are going to keep going down that neuronal pathway. Keep going down it. So change out of that can be really difficult. We can be on the best programs. We can hire the best doctors and we can be doing all the right things, but the body is kind of used to that chronically stressed state. And so when we teach it to, Hey, we can still have fun. We can still feel good. We can feel pleasure. We're not waiting for the, the good feeling to come to finally go have fun or finally go on that vacation. We are learning how to incorporate that into our daily life now then the body kind of gets the hang of it. It's like, Oh, okay. We're done with this program. We're going to come over here and, you know, we can, we can still go to a water park or we can still go to the beach even though our body's not perfect yet. And uh, that in itself can be really helpful. But then also kind of what I was saying before, like you didn't just fall into chronic illness. Usually, usually there's some habits, some negative thoughts, some limiting beliefs, but, you know, even just the belief that like molds will make me sick, even just stuff like that sometimes with the people I work with, we have to kind of retrain how we think of molds or parasites or heavy metals. Because so I work with a lot of people who get obsessed with like clean eating and doing all the right things, but then it becomes a, a way to control and like trying to control the way that they feel and still not being able to kind of feel good and to feel present and so it just really depends on the person and and their situation but no matter who you are if you've developed a chronic illness in any way shape or form the brain retraining the somatics all that is helpful it doesn't matter if if it was just um like diabetes or if it was full-blown like mast cell activation or SIRS or something like that
0: it's never a bad idea to work on ourselves we can always uh (laughs) always always an area we can work on um just one thing to clarify when you say brain retraining because I, I saw on your um, instagram that you had had a um uh, interview with someone who I, I believe that um on your podcast who um had been talking about neurofeedback and brain mapping and things like that when when you say brain retraining are you referring to neurofeedback or are you referring to other uh, systems or techniques that would help with retraining the brain
1: yeah, I think all of those could be considered brain retraining. Um, but usually when I mention brain retraining, I'm thinking more of like the Gupta program, DNRS, oh. and those techniques for, okay, I that was the habit that I had. And now I'm going to make this new choice and just retraining how your brain is wired, basically, in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, and I'm just Curious about neurofeedback. Is that something that's been part of your um, uh, first or secondhand experience or third hand experience with patients? Has that been a useful tool? And if so, would you be able to speak to how what kind of role that's played in your uh patients' um, experiences?
1: Yeah, I did it myself, but I did a machine called Neurooptimal, which you can actually rent it. Um, you can just Google it and find places close to you that rent it, or you can find therapists that maybe own the device. It's totally passive brain training or i mean um uh, neurofeedback can be a little pricey so there's a couple of different kinds the neurooptimal does not have a practitioner that you need to go to it's all built into the technology which i thought was really helpful um, plus you can rent it and it's a little cheaper but with the neurofeedback oftentimes there's like a clinician or somebody who's like looking at the data and then i'm not sure exactly how that one works cuz i haven't done that one myself um, but I definitely refer people to those types of techniques. I, I have so many things in my back pocket for referrals for people, just anything that can help them. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Um, okay. So maybe, maybe moving to a somewhat different topic, um, if you don't sure. mind, just so folks can get a little more variety out of our chat today As I know you know a lot of things beyond uh, the mind, body, um, mental, emotional aspect of things. Um, I've seen, uh, several of your posts about, uh, and you mentioned it a couple of times here about mast cell activation syndrome. Uh, one of the questions I like asking my guests when they are familiar with, uh, MCAS is just what kind of tools do you find to be the most, uh, helpful in, uh, managing symptoms? I mean, you know, um, uh, say patient comes in, you're like, okay. We got a lot of, you know, higher level stuff to work on here. Maybe we need to, you know, look at mold exposure, different things like that. But just to try to bring this poor person some relief in the here and now, I'm wondering what kind of tools you find to be the most useful for more like symptomatic relief with um, MCAS. Uh, Just before you answer that question, I'll just remind everyone that we're uh, not giving any medical advice here. Uh, This is all for informational purposes. And if you need medical advice, please talk to your healthcare provider to get that advice. Um, So on that note, uh, what, what are some MCAS tools that you found to be helpful?
1: Yeah. So I actually have a course that is kind of in the middle right now. It's called Happy Histamine. And I teach six different layers to to MCAS. So on the top layer, I teach that we are in obvious like threat constantly, cell danger response. So there's a lot of different tools that can be helpful for kind of calming this. The mind body techniques are definitely on that list. Um, But then of course, there's herbs, there's medications. I was one of those people that was like, quercetin, all these mast cell stabilizing herbs, anything natural did nothing. Like I was non-responsive to any of those supplements. So I try, usually if I'm working with someone, I'm not a doctor, so they would have to be referred out for any sort of medications, but it was almost um, like insulting at that time when I was so, so, so sick to tell someone, you just are going to have to take quercetin and do nervous system regulation. Like it was it was impossible. So being, helping someone understand, like we can still get off these medications later. Like I'm off all medications now that I was on for the histamine and mast cell. Um, they can be really helpful to give you that piece to then start kind of chipping away at the other layers. So then underneath that layer, layer five is like, okay, well, we've got all these chronic infections going on. We've got tons of parasites. Usually there's mold involved, maybe the Lyme and all sorts of other chronic infections. Um, why do we have these chronic infections? And so deeper layer, we'll look at like German new medicine, looking at all the different drainage pathways. Okay. Why is your liver so stressed? Are you being exposed to mold or do you have heavy metal toxicity? Um, are you kind of stuck in this emotional conflict that affects the liver? Why is your gut never healing? Why do we have chronic gut infections, candida, overgrowth, parasites, Um, And then deeper than that in the next layer is looking at like mineral imbalances. Um, Certain mineral profiles can be a big red flag for why we have these chronic infections. And also in this layer, kind of looking at the hormones, like I mentioned, cortisol already is, can be a imbalances in cortisol can be a big driver, Um, maybe blood sugar and things like that. And then getting deeper, we look into your nervous system regulation, your belief systems, Your lifestyle factors, like, do you go outside at all? Are you looking at screens all day? Um, Do you hate your job? You know, what are these like chronic, what is the chronic stress in your life? What does that look like? What is, why are we, why are we so stressed that then we've got these mineral imbalances that then we've got chronic infections that then we also have mast cell. And then finally at the core layer are like, who are we being? Who do I know that I am? who, how do I think the world works and these deep, deep belief systems that come from childhood or even passed down from us. And in this program, we kind of peel back all these different layers.
0: Sounds like a very comprehensive approach. And uh, that (laughs) sounds great. Um, A couple of follow-up questions there. um, And I hear you loud and clear and empathize with the natural products, just not helping at all with your (laughs) own um, MCAS experience in the past. And it's always really frustrating when, uh, yeah, that's the case. And some folks um, do really well with some um, natural products and yeah, some, it just doesn't seem to touch it. Sometimes the medications like pharmaceuticals don't touch it. Um, so it's not a one size fits all by any stretch. Um, and your experience either based on things that you've recommended to uh, folks yourself or that, um, you know, folks come in saying like, oh, this, this or that like helped with my MCAS symptoms um, of the natural products that you've seen help other people. Like what are some of the, you know, maybe one or two of like the most likely, um, agents to be actually helpful for folks.
1: Yeah. So, um, I really like the seeking health line for some of those, like the DAO support that they have and the, um, probiotics, those sometimes can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, green tea extract is another one that I like because it's got so many medicinal properties and then for like immediate relief, um, Zeolite can be really helpful. It actually binds to histamine. And so it can stop like, like a histamine flare pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I forgot to mention kind of in in the layers I was talking about, uh, there's so many immune modulation techniques out there and, and supplements and herbs for immune modulation. So I kind of go into some of those with people as well. One of my favorites is um, NAET. Which is an acupressure elimination technique or allergy elimination technique, and then the other one is low dose immunotherapy, which I did for like two years, and both of those can also be really helpful too, like on top of whatever else you're doing.
0: That's great. Yeah, I've been doing LDI for like eight or nine years in practice. So yeah, not not a lot of people oh, awesome. know about it. So yeah, it's great that that's on your in your um on your radar. Do you do you actually? recommend it like directly to folks or, um, you recommend practitioners for them to work with?
1: Yeah, I refer out, um, since yeah. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not trained in right. it, but, um, yeah, there's a couple of people that I refer to.
0: Yeah. Great. Um, and just, I'm um, again, curious, cause most of my guests are not familiar with LDI. So just pick your brain for a second, but from what you've heard from, uh, folks that you work with who wind up, um, you know, using LDI through via other practitioners, um, what are some of the formulas that tend to be the most uh, useful for them?
1: Um, so I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that. Do you mean like, um, like the mold and yeast and yeah, that? mold,
0: yeast, lime okay. mix, the environmental mix, chemical mix.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I did literally all of them. I even sent in my scrapings of my skin and, oh, and nice. feces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the one that works the best. So yep. Yeah, that's,
1: Yeah. So no matter what is going on with you, you can do them all at the same time, which is helpful. But I tell people it's commitment. It's not like you go in once and it's done. So, um, like for me, it was a little over two years and I was like, I think I'm done. I think this is good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's actually a question I have for you. What is, cause I have also, some of the people I've referred to have said like, oh, it was just for five months. Like, what is the standard for how long you're supposed to do LDI?
0: Um, I mean, really, the kind of the main um, time sucker potentially is just finding the right formula and finding the right potency of the right formula. So there, there are different methodologies out there. I've been doing it for quite a long time. I've kind of evolved the way that I've used it over time. So I'm pretty good at fast tracking to figure out what formula and potency a patient needs. Um, but Yeah. Um, yeah, once you find the formula that's actually ma- or formulas that are actually making a difference, it varies from person to person. But as a general rule, like about maybe three months give or so of being on the right formula to get to the point. Well, I'd say, I say should say at least three months of being on the right formula where you might not need it anymore. Some patients might need to be on it for you know a year or two, maybe longer, depending on the case. Um, so it really kind of varies. But once you find the dose that's helping it's helping so much that patients are like, Hey, if I have to take this for three years, I'm happy to do it because it's just working so well. But uh, yeah, it it definitely varies. But yeah, I've had some patients where back in the old days when I was doing LDI and the most um, sort of like Dr. Vincent who developed LDI, um, he's kind of evolved his methodology over time. And in the old days, like it would sometimes take a couple of years to find a dose that was making a difference for somebody. But then once you found it, you know, they loved it. So yeah, but a lot faster nowadays, I think.
1: Oh, nice. I'll definitely refer more people to you then.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Happy to see anyone who wants to work with LDI. It's, it's an awesome, awesome therapy. As as I'm fond of saying, you know, for folks who need it, it's just miraculous. For folks who don't need it, it just doesn't do a blessed thing. But yeah, um, it can be really, really helpful, but definitely not indicated for everybody. Um mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things you mentioned a couple of times um, just around the whole MCAS um, piece was uh, about cortisol imbalance. Um, and um, of course, doing the you know, right kind of you know, stress reduction, you know, brain retraining, et cetera, that can have a huge uh, positive impact on cortisol rebalancing. Um, but are there any um, supplements or other interventions that uh, you've um, uh, experienced yourself or by proxy through folks you work with where it's been helpful with cortisol regulation? Or is it mostly the, the mind body kind of higher level stuff?
1: Yeah, actually, one of my things that I like to tell everyone is don't ask me how what I can take to lower my cortisol. Ask me what I can do to lower my cortisol. Uh,
0: Sage like words.
1: <laughs> but um, I I really find that mineral balancing can be really helpful for this. Um, like with the HTMA test that I run, when I see potassium at like a one, which is like, they have to put at least a one. I know this person is like, that does not have good cellular effect of cortisol at all. And that can be a big link as to why they're so sensitive to everything. So working through a program with like, of course, supplements and minerals, but also the lifestyle factors that can be really helpful. Um, The other thing, I mean, glandulars, adaptogens, they can be helpful as well. Um, But for some people, it, it might be like a band aid that kind of pushes them even further into into burnout. So we have to kind of be careful with those types of interventions, even like B vitamins for some people. So definitely always a bio-individual approach. There's not like one thing that I'm like, I give everybody this
0: (laughs) for sure. Yeah. That's important to be individualized to say the least. Um, just as we're starting to wind down on our time together, Amanda, I'm just gonna ask you a couple of more like rapid, fiery kind of random questions if you don't mind. Sure. Um, what what of them let's is, go?
1: Let's go. Yeah, okay yeah, embrace <laughs> yourself no,
0: just, just kidding. Um, um, what are uh, some things or what is one thing or some things that you're um, in the process of kind of learning about or looking into right now that you're you're excited about? What's kind of on the the cutting edge of your uh, yeah uh, your your practice or things that you're looking into bringing into your your practice?
1: Yeah, actually, great question, because I am never done learning. I'm always adding another certification. Um, I'm actually currently awesome. in a Theta Healing certification right now. I got the basic DNA certification, and now I'm doing the advanced DNA. Theta Healing is like an energy technique for healing, and it kind of also uh, encompasses the belief systems and the programs that we're running. So I've started to introduce it slowly to some of the people I've been working with and in some of my meditations and I've done some theta healing as well. So I kind of have also experienced it and it's just wild to see some of the changes that happen just from like energy healing. I used to be such a non-believer in energy work. Um, And now, of course, now that I've experienced it and understand a little bit more, I, I see the value in it.
0: Yeah. I was, I was the same way once upon a time. And then you just <laughs> see enough things or experience enough things yourself. And you're like, well, there's definitely something to this. And yeah. you know, many, many, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was like, oh, like, no, there's no such thing as microscopic organisms. And like now it's like, oh, of course you're an idiot if you don't believe in that. So just because we can't explain it necessarily, um, 100% fully doesn't mean it's not real. Um, I'm assuming with the theta healing, it's, um, doing work to get a person's uh like into more of like a theta dominant brain wave pattern so they can get into that healing mode is that is that correct
1: yep that's that's i believe why it's called that yeah the Mm -hmm. um once you're in that theta brainwave state then again we can kind of rewire some of those old programs old belief systems Mm -hmm. and uh, that change can occur a little bit quicker
0: We've uh, started using neurofeedback here at our clinic um, in the last little bit, and uh, I did an extra training in something called Alpha Theta healing, which is a, using a neurofeedback device to get a person into theta, a uh, uh, theta dominant brainwave mode. And, uh, at least my understanding from that version of it, I'm just wondering if there's any overlap here is that you're trying to get them into that, you know, higher theta state. So it's kind of like you're in that twilight slit state between kind of being asleep and awake. And at that point you can yeah, make, make a lot of healing gains and, in you know, insightful observations and things like that. Is that kind of the gist of what you're trying to achieve with the theta healing
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great to be able to do that without um, very expensive neurofeedback equipment. So I have to maybe take a look at that. But uh, thanks for telling me about that. Um. Well, uh, just before we uh, wind things down, Amanda, is there anything that um, you'd like to share with listeners that we haven't got into anything that um, you think would be a benefit for them to hear? You've already shared a lot of wisdom with us, which I really appreciate. But anything else that you'd like to mention before we start to wind things up?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, I kind of touched on this a little bit, but when you kind of are in like the trenches of feeling absolutely horrible, it seems like that's all you're thinking about all the time and finding, finding something that brings you joy, finding something that you could be creative, um, even if it feels difficult to do, or even if it it doesn't bring you as much joy as maybe it used to, but kind of practicing, feeling good, practicing, feeling pleasure, practicing, being creative. Those are going to be more powerful ways that you're going to come out of this than how many coffee enemas and saunas you did. And that I think can be hard when you're really like stuck in feeling horrible.
0: Definitely more fun to do something you enjoy than to have a coffee enema. I think most people would agree.
1: Oh, you're cutting out a little bit.
0: Oh no. Uh, you're, you're, you're frozen, uh, for you too, Amanda. So, mm. uh, can, can you still, can you hear me or am I still pretty good? No.
1: You still cut out.
0: Oh no. Okay. Can you hear me, Amanda?
1: Yes. You're back. Okay. All right. Sorry,
0: folks. We had a little technical glitch there, but, uh, okay. um, almost perfect timing. We're, uh, we're, we're just wrapping up. So, um, uh, thank you for sharing that, Amanda. Um, I, I made a bad joke about, um, I'd rather do something I enjoy than having a coffee enema any day. So, yeah, I just <laughs> didn't want you to miss out on that joke. So I thought I'd repeat it. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, just, uh, uh, just while the internet's still holding out here, um, could you please share with folks uh, where they can um, access you on social media if they want to work with you? Uh, do you work with folks long distance? Uh, what kind of yeah, resources do you have? Online courses? Uh, what, what kind of things can uh, folks, uh, how, how can folks access you? And I'll uh, include anything that you mentioned in the show notes. So please uh, fire away.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I do most of my posting on Instagram. It's at Amanda Panacea um and then i also have a website it's thehealerrevolution.com and that's also the name of my podcast um i combine a lot of different things so i do one on one work virtually as long as um you're in a place that can mail in your hair sample i can work with you <laughs> um or virtually if you just wanted to do like the emotional track and then also i have a, a couple courses so the one that i'm in process now is happy histamine And this is a six-week live course that is for anyone dealing with histamine issues or mast cell activation. It does include the somatic work, some energy healing, but also some of the functional medicine stuff and techniques as well. And that will launch next in 2024. And then I also have a course called How to Feel that is my personalized process for understanding okay, I feel like garbage, and I don't know if I'm regulating my emotions, I feel angry, sad, whatever, shut down, numb, and understanding how to create a daily practice that helps to kind of work through those things.
0: Fantastic. Well, I will, uh, again, include the links to all those in the show notes. um, Or if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description of the video below. And um, Amanda, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Um, I got more than I bargained for today. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. And uh, thank you folks for tuning into another episode of the Overcoming Chronic Illness podcast.
1: Uh, We hope that you enjoyed it and please stay tuned for the next one.